Hello, welcome, and thanks for checking in today to No Vacancy, the podcast. I'm your host, Natalie Palmer. I'm an Airbnb ambassador and 17-time super host, and I've hosted over 1,000 reservations. I'm a stay-at-home mom of two and manage my eight listings remotely. My mission is to help new and experienced vacation rental hosts turn their listings into fully booked, profitable properties that can be managed from anywhere, so you too can have no vacancies. If that sounds good to you, let's get right into the show. and welcome back to another episode of No Vacancy, the podcast. I'm your host, Natalie Palmer, and today I am really excited to welcome Justin Miller, the CEO of Showplace, to the podcast. You guys have heard about Showplace before, especially if you attended a Level Up Your Listing Summit in Scottsdale of this year. They were one of our sponsors, and they get all the credit for doing the Boho Braid Bar, which was a huge hit at our welcome party. I literally still know people that have shimmers in their hair to this day from that, so those things are just absolutely industrial. Those shimmers are not going anywhere, but I'm really excited to get to talk with Justin today and go through more of the techie side, I would say, and more of the data-driven side of design. We've had a lot of designers on this show, but what I would love to dive into with Justin today is some data backing up how these amenities that you put in your listing actually make a difference on the other side and increase your nightly rate. So Justin, welcome. Do you want to introduce yourself and tell the listeners who don't know about you guys what Showplace does? Great. Well, my name is Justin Miller. I'm the CEO and co-founder of Showplace, and we help design and launch short-term rentals all over the country. And we are coming up to almost 800 short-term rentals that we've now completed. And it's super exciting because we've seen everything from start to finish. And many, many, many of our listings are the top performing listings in that market. One of the things that we highly care about is obviously design product procurement and installation, and making sure that your listing stands out on the platforms. And then we work our way backwards using our budget and timeline to make sure that you can stand out because it's all about getting the attention of guests. And that the the theory that we like to talk about at Showplace is that you can't change your location easily. So if you can't change your location, the next best thing you can change is how that property looks in those photos. And that's really about design and There's a direct correlation to the return on investment when thinking about design and setup. And so that's why I'm excited to share more about Showplace. So I didn't realize that you are also the co-founder of the company. Could you walk us through the story of what made you want to co-found this business? What was the need that you were seeing in the market? Amazing. So my story in short-term rentals actually starts in 2013. And I co-founded a company called Pillow. And Pillow was a property management company in the early days of Airbnb. And we ended up growing that business to manage about 800 homes in 10 different markets in the U.S. And we actually managed over 40,000 reservations. And I, yeah, it it was, we learned absolutely everything there was to know about property management, short-term rentals, how to do things, how, and then most importantly, what not to do. And that business was so incredibly impactful because what we realized was that as a property manager, 
we only accepted properties that came to us as is. So if it was an owner with grandma's basement, then we were so limited in what we could do on the performance of that property. And oftentimes, especially in property management, there's a desire to limit the number of properties that you have, but increase the quality. Mm-hmm. And we had a really hard time doing that. And so my co-founder at Pillow, Dan Palumbo, is also my co-founder here at Showplace. And we really just saw this need after COVID started that people were jumping into short-term rentals. Investors were obviously making you know, pretty decent returns, but no one was that thoughtful about the setup. And our thesis and our general theory that holds true is that if you're thoughtful about the setup, you can actually create a much higher value short-term rental that you're going to get better reviews. If you get better reviews, you can obviously make more money. The homes that are on Showplace are earning about 22% more on average than other comps in the market, purely through design. Wow. So when, when was Showplace founded? So we founded Showplace in 2020. And okay. right, literally right as COVID was starting, and we saw all these people jumping in short-term rentals. Like here, here's an interesting statistic. And that is what used to work on Airbnb in 2015 and 2016, which was an air mattress and a hot yep. plate, and you could get full bookings. It just doesn't work anymore. And today you have to be a lot more aggressive about how your space looks, what the experience is for guests. And that's something that I think is an interesting shift or change that's happened in the industry over the last few years. And we like to think, at least at Showplace, that we're helping to lead some of the innovation um, in that space. There's this theory that we have is basically called an amenities arms race. And the amenities arms race is that the, the listings that used to have a hot tub stood out. Yeah. Well, well, now everyone has a hot tub. So now the listings that have a hot tub and a Peloton and a gym, you know, so everyone, everyone's competing to level up and raise that bar higher and higher. And I think that we're getting to a place now we have to be really thoughtful. It's like, we only have so much budget to spend. I can't buy everything. And so that's an interesting, I think, thought experiment about how you want to furnish your listing and what, what that budget and timeline is. Absolutely. Okay. So that leads perfectly, I think, into today's topic. I want to get in depth with you on how to design your place for a good ROI and then what these amenities are. And I know sometimes these are at odds, like do you go for the wallpaper that's going to stand out in that cover photo? Or is it better to have the Peloton and check off that box on the amenities? So give us give us your thoughts on this. Yeah, sure. Let, well, let's talk about some of what we consider high value amenities and the theories behind them. So when setting up your listing or even refurbishing your listing. So obviously hot tub is at the top of the list. That is a primary driver. We see the guest data that you want to book a place that has a pool or a hot tub. And that's something that you could think about investing in fitness equipment, whether it's a small little home gym. We've seen hacks that are really cost efficient, which is like a little yoga studio area where it's a couple yoga mats and it's like a meditation room, but it's not very expensive to pull that off. The other big trend we're seeing is around murals. Like what gets guests attention on the photos are having these amazing murals, whether it's in the front area or in the dining room or the outdoor pool area. 
murals seem to be quite, quite impressive. And I think guests will stop scrolling more often if they see a mural. Okay. And then the other big one, interestingly, are we're seeing a lot of our parking, well, the amenity around parking. And what we've seen is that guests will not necessarily pay more to park in a garage versus on the driveway. And so what a lot of savvy investors are doing are saying, okay, we'll offer driveway parking, but we'll turn our garage into a game room area because now we have more livable space. We could rent out the space a little bit more. And if you put games in there, we can help calculate the return on investment for some of those things. And so there are all these interesting little things that actually add up. And if you, you know, add them up, you can go from maybe being a $200 a night listing to a $400 a night listing. You know, if you, if you think through the math on, on some of those, some of those items. So when you guys get a new client and they, they give you a budget for their property or whatever, you're looking through things, where is your, and I'm sure it changes depending on the property and where it's at currently and the market, but like, where do you guys like to kind of prioritize and take, what does that process look like of like, where are we going to delegate these dollars? Totally. We like to start with the end in mind. And what that generally means is what are the first five photos on your Airbnb listing going to be? And we try to think about this out front. Like this could be six, eight weeks, even before you launch your listing. And we say, okay, we're going to maximize the dining room area or the living room area, because we think that's the highlight of this home. And if that's the case, we're going to want to spend more of that budget, a higher percentage on higher quality furniture in that area, higher quality decor, things on the wall, things that are going to pop, kind of like wallpaper that stands out or it's an accent wall. And so those items, we think about, okay, the focus of the first five photos gets a higher percentage of the budget. If it's a four bedroom home, like bedroom number four is not going to get allocated that much budget because it's Mm -hmm. not going to be driving. Interesting. It's not going to be driving that many bookings. Now, interestingly, The other data that we've seen is that the primary suite are typically correlated to the people making the booking and reservation on Airbnb. And so so you want to invest a little bit more in the primary suite area because the people booking can see themselves and visualize, hey, I'm going to be sleeping here. And then my nieces and nephews, they'll be in the bunk bedroom. They, they They don't care as much about that. So I think there's interesting psychology behind the amenities, but we generally like to check off as many of the amenities as possible. And I think it helps with the search algorithm. But mm-hmm. generally, but generally we think about the first five photos as like a budget allocation. That's so funny because even myself, if I'm ever traveling with a group of friends, bachelorette party or something, if I'm the one that was assigned with finding the Airbnb, I mentally am like, I'm getting the primary bedroom. Like that is my that's my tax for being the one who picked this place. We're spending spending Splitting the cost evenly, but like that's, those are my dues for, for finding this. So I never even thought about it like that. But that's a great point to really cater your primary bedroom to the person who's going to be making the booking to that exact avatar. Yeah, great point. So what for you would be the five photos you recommend? Like kitchen, living, outdoor space in a couple bedrooms, or like what's, what's kind of the standard for that? Yeah, so typically we see, generally speaking, the living room area being within the first five. So we'll want to invest, obviously, making sure that there's the right size, large TV, very comfortable seating, 
seating for everyone who's in the party. Max occupancy is important. And then typically we'll see like an outdoor space, a highlight if you have that. So if you have a pool or maybe you have an amazing view for that property, that's probably within the first five. So we'll want to focus on some of the outdoor furniture, the outdoor accents. We have generally recommended outdoor lighting to both take pictures during the daytime and during dusk. There's a, there's a lot happening in the photography space with, with Airbnb listings. Like people are Photoshopping fire into the fireplaces and people are Photoshopping like, you know, what this place looks like at night. And I've seen Photoshopped like views of the Milky Way stars, like into the night sky. And I'm like, I know this city, the light pollution there. You're never going to see that. People are taking some very generous liberties with the Photoshopping right now. Yeah, it's, it's super interesting. I think I think that the trends generally are trying to show off the property in its best light. Yeah. And so I'd say, you know, living spaces and outdoor space, things that are unique. I guess, like, when someone is looking through the comps in your market, what is going to help you stand out? And that should generally guide, like, what the first five photos are going to be. We had a, We had a customer who had a golf simulator in the garage. And that, that made it into the first five photos, for example. So things like that, I think are pretty interesting. On the topic of photography, some of our clients are hiring models to be out by the pool or out at the kitchen, like demonstrating how you can use the space with models. Mm -hmm. I'm like, I'm like, this is amazing. This, this did not exist in 2015 on Airbnb. It's pretty impressive. I actually, now that you bring that up, because I have seen that this has been extremely controversial on social media, I see hosts that love this and are like, yes, you're giving people this whole visual cue for how they would use the space and letting them imagine it. But I see other hosts who are like, why would I want my guests to think about the fact that there's other people who have been in this space? I don't know if that's something you guys have like tracked the data on. I'm split on this, but I've seen so many heated debates on this. So I'm curious your thoughts. I think it's a good thing. I think we'll see more of a trend where models or friends are using the space and they're taking photography and imagery of the space for, uh, for guests. I do think it's helpful and I think it's a good trend. I think it's, I think it's a worthwhile investment, to be honest. It's, it's interesting that that's where the market is going, but I do like it. Yeah. Okay. Great, great points. Okay. Can you kind of walk through some particular amenities? I know you touched on the hot tub and the pool, having a mural, but are you, how do you guys track like how much this will actually increase your nightly rate? I think a lot of hosts are operating on a hunch or their intuition. And when they look at their competition, they see what everyone has and just replicate it. But do you guys actually factor in like this is from our previous track record of 800 homes is designed when we see the nightly rate improve? Let's take an example listing that today the baseline is $100 per night. So the way we calculate this is on an annualized basis. We'd say $100 per night multiplied by 30 nights uh, per month multiplied by an occupancy rate of 80%. So we'd say the $100 a night listing on average would earn $2,400 per month. So over the annual basis, assuming no seasonality, we're looking at $28,000 roughly. Okay, so $28,000 is our baseline. Now we make the decision do we want to invest in a hot tub? And so based on the data that we've seen, let's say that the average hot tub is going to cost $4,000. And we make the assumption that we can charge, let's say $20 more per night. 
So now our cost into the property is $4,000 more on an annual basis, but now we can charge $20 more per night. So just to run through the math, we were now we were getting a hundred. Now we're getting $120 per night. I'm 30 nights per year, 80% occupancy. So we go from a monthly revenue of 2,400 up to 2,880, which multiplied on a 12 month basis is 34,000. So right there, we can see that 34,000 minus the 28,000 of baseline means that we earn $6,000 more per year with a hot tub where we got $20 more per night. So if you subtract out the $4,000 that we spent and we see that we earned 6,000, we're basically plus $2,000 for that first year. And now we've paid it back within that first year. So that means year two and onward are going to just generally be all profit. And so that's like a long wind example of how to say, like, when you're looking at an amenity, these are the general estimates that we can make. And we call it a payback period. But in this case, the payback period would be about 10 months until we earn back the dollars on the hot tub. And then after that, it's all profit. I would even argue it could be higher profit than that because you, you know, from that just simple algebra, it was adding $20 per night just to the existing nights where accounting will be booked. But I also think this would increase your bookings too. There are people who were not going to book your place at all without it. So there might be a whole other like untapped chunk of nights that you couldn't even account for in the first equation. Yeah. So maybe demand increases by 10%, but also let's be honest, hot tub is a lot of maintenance. Maybe you have to spend an extra $200 a month on maintenance. So, you know, I think there's a, an in-depth an in-depth calculation to say, okay, hey, let's let's see the the closest that we can get on this ROI calculation. But here's the cool part. If you do enough of those extra amenities, then they would all add up. And so we go from $100 a night listing to maybe a $250 a night listing by having some of those amenities. And a lot of the data that we look at is both at the revenue level, like what happens to that listing after 12 months, and actually looking at the sentiment of the reviews for that property. Uh, and when you look at the reviews in that property over a 12 month period, you can see if people are calling out the hot tub or calling out the outdoor amenities as one of the drivers to five-star reviews. Here's the beauty of it. Airbnb um, specifically has set up an amazing system where hosts are encouraged to keep increasing the experience over time. And we spend all of this time and money trying to increase the experience. And ultimately, you know who's winning is the Airbnb. guests. Well, Airbnb. Oh, the guests, yeah. But, but, but ultimately, the guest experience is just so much better, I think, than it was six or seven years ago. So, so to me, guests are winning. And I think that's why we see a lot more price parity conversations around hotels and with Airbnb. Well, sure, eight years ago, Airbnb was cheaper than a hotel. Yes. But there wasn't that there wasn't that many amenities. Now you're actually getting, in my opinion, you get more, more bang for your buck than a hotel. So sure, if the price is the same as a hotel, you're still getting more value. Yeah, absolutely. Gosh, if I had a dollar for every one of those comments, like Airbnbs used to be cheaper. And I'm like, you also used to sleep on the floor in an Airbnb in somebody's living room. Like, come on, people. Can we acknowledge how much the experience has increased here? 
Okay, give us another one. So hot tub, you kind of broke down for us. What's another popular amenity? Let's let's touch on the Peloton you brought up. Are you guys seeing an increased nightly rate with putting in a Peloton? Yeah, so we've done fitness equipment in general, and it's similar price point. So the numbers would be generally the same. Okay. You know, but if you're going to invest $2,500 into a Peloton or the fitness equipment, that could be a small bench press. It could be some free weights. It could be a yoga mat. And generally, we're going to want to make the spaces that are less livable in the floor plan, like the fitness or yoga areas. And then you can market it as such. So it sort of takes what I call kind of dead space and make it into something that's more meaningful. And so fitness equipment, we probably have another similar concept. Hey, if I invest $2,500 in a Peloton, probably see a $25 bump in my nightly rents adjusted for seasonality. And so you're probably looking at like a 10 or 12 month payback period there as well. And what it all generally leads to is most of the investments that we've seen in the homes are going to be within that first year. I think in general, that tracks to how we think about the setup. And then after year one, after you've made that investment, it's generally all profit. Do you remember episode 68, where I got to interview Kenny Bedwell, the CEO at S-Tier Insights? Well, since this episode dropped, I have heard multiple success stories from no vacancy listeners who have been able to find their next property thanks to Kenny and his team at S-Tier Insights. If you've been wondering if the property or market you are looking at will be a good investment, or if you have no idea what market or property to start looking at, please take advantage of the free call that S-Tier Insights is offering no vacancy listeners. You have nothing to lose. With their 100% success rate, I am confident that you'll be in good hands working with S-Tier Insights. Whether you're looking for cash flow, cash on cash return, or long-term appreciation, S-Tier Insights will first help you define your goals and then identify the market and property that is right for you. The team is made up of S-Tier investors and operators themselves, so they know exactly what to look for in terms of a good market and property, and will make sure that you can legally operate in the areas they point you to. If you're ready to join the dozens of No Vacancy listeners who have already started working with S-Tier Insights to find their next property, just click the link in my show notes to schedule your free call and get you one step closer to finding that perfect deal. So that brings up another question for me. Do you guys ever work with clients in phases where maybe you'll do the initial design just to get some catchy eye-grabbing pictures in those first five, but then in a year, the client has more money where they want to put in the sauna and the game room and the golf simulator and whatever it is? Yeah, it's a really good question. So the short answer is yes. We understand that many, many investors are first-time investors. Hey, I'm starting a new listing. I don't, you don't have the benefit of the cash flow that you've been building. You don't have the business track record that you like feel super confident. You know, a lot of times people have to make a leap of faith that a short-term rental is going to you know, actually produce the revenue that they yeah. hope. And so what we would generally do is we would design the entire home and give all of the ideas around amenities, design, decor up front. And then if the owner wants to work with us and say, hey, we want to do phase one where we're buying just half of the items, let us get our business up and running. And then we'll come back for some of those other premium amenities. It absolutely works. It's a, it's a really good strategy because then you're building that confidence that this business can actually work for you, which I think is so important. And I think, by the way, that's why my team was so excited to join the Level Up conference because it was getting together with like-minded individuals and 
folks who are just all about starting successful Airbnbs and short-term rentals. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Okay, good to know. So you can kind of space this out if you don't have 50 grand right now to drop on all these extra amenities and everything. I would love to touch on what are some, maybe outside of amenities, but what are some trends that you guys are seeing in design right now? You mentioned murals is a big one. I know wallpaper is a very eye-catching thing, but what are just kind of some basic things hosts can, or not even basic, like I, I love the analogy you used of the arms race. Like what, what is the stuff that we need to do at this point to just be like on this basic level of competing? Yeah, well, I think the first one of the trend around maximizing return is going to be about maximizing occupancy and finding the balance. We had some, we have some clients that have a 2000 square foot home and they want to fit 20 people in there. And we just generally would not recommend over occupancy as a thing. Yes, you can charge more per night with more people, but we want to understand like, what is the natural occupancy for that home? So one of the things that it leads us to really make recommendations for our bunk beds. I think bunk beds have become an interesting trend where we could increase the occupancy, maybe for more family-friendly locations, but also, you know, respect that you don't want to put 20 people in a 2000 square foot home, right? For example, that's, a, that's an interesting one. And I, the other one um, is really about outdoor spaces. We're seeing some big differentiators with outdoor spaces that what guests are expecting. So that's like outdoor lawn games, giant chess boards. We had a client who put in two big glamping tents in the backyard. And what's interesting about glamping, let's talk about glamping for a second. I had not seen glamping as an option. Glamping super interesting because it's like, it's an interesting amenity, like an experience within the Airbnb or short-term rental itself that guests I think can attach to. And so. There was like these really cool glamping tents with blow up air mattresses inside. And then games on, in the exterior spaces have also been another big trend that we're seeing. And all, all of these things are super interesting. I think the real question to ask yourself is, can you maintain the level of all of these items in 12 months or 18 months from now? In other words, you don't want to go crazy with too many things. Uh, if it's not sustainable, if you or your property manager can't sustain the quality of the glamping, for example, or the outdoor chests, maybe you lose all these pieces and then it's not that interesting after six months. And so there is an interesting trend to do more, but you also have to stay on top of it to like really make sure the experience stays high. Mm, I'm really glad you touched on that. This is something that I've talked about a lot is like don't put so many amenities to where you cannot actually handle maintaining them. I would rather not have the outdoor chess set than show up and have a missing queen on one piece. And then that is so annoying to you or aggravating, you know, or like if there was a pinball machine or something and it's broken when you show up, you're pissed. Whereas if it right. wasn't there in the first place, you wouldn't even be missing a pinball machine. So I'm really glad that you touched on that. Like only add enough to where you're physically able to maintain it all. One, one interesting example, one interesting example of this is we had a company who they sold bidets and they wanted to put bidets inside of Airbnb homes. We worked with 50 hosts in our network. And at first you're like, oh, that would be a great idea to put a bidet in a short-term rental. The problem is it's one more thing to break or manage or learn how to use. And guests who travel may not know how to use this thing. 
So it's, it's a really interesting problem to solve striking the right balance between yes, increasing the experience, but like, how do you manage it long-term? It's tricky. Yeah. Yeah. Good points. Okay. I guess I would kind of love to wrap up by just touching on like how Showplace's process works. Like what can clients expect if they reach out and want to work together? You know, do you guys help them set a budget? I know so many hosts don't even know what to budget appropriately. How many months or weeks does the process take? Can you kind of walk us through that? Absolutely. So as you're acquiring a new vacation rental, the easy part of the process is buying the property. Okay. Once you buy the property, you're now in escrow. What a lot of people forget is I have this vacant home. What am I going to do? How do I, I want to get listed right away. I have holding costs. I have property taxes, insurance. Like if I'm not up and running, you know, tomorrow I'm losing money. That's the first general pain point that we see. So we like to engage with owners while they're in escrow after their inspection period. And that gives us about a six to seven week process to start so that as soon as you close on that property, we can schedule all of the items to arrive at the home. And then if you choose to do installation, gives us enough time so that you're not losing any money. So generally speaking, we work off of a six to seven week timeline. And that means the first two weeks are looking at your floor plan. You get paired with one of our amazing contract designers who are in our network. These are folks that have worked at Airbnb and Vicasa and Landing and Avant Stay and all these places. And they're going to work directly with you for the first two weeks. We're going to do a design quiz to understand what your preferences are. We're going to put together floor plan mock-ups. We'll go back and forth on two revisions. And then at the very end of that process, you're going to have on average about 300 different items that we recommend that are going to send you up for success. We have to allow about two weeks two to three weeks for shipping and delivery. And then based on your options, this is a premium service, but if you would like someone in our network to do the installation, we have options for you. If you want to do it yourself, you're more than happy to. And so that process sort of wraps up in six to seven weeks total. Okay. What about if somebody is not in escrow right now, they've been renting the place for a while and it's just not getting bookings anymore and they know it's time for a refresh. Yeah. So we work with a lot of folks who used to be at the top of the pile as far as bookings, and they would easily be getting 80% uh, occupancy rates. And now for whatever reason, things have changed. So we do a refurbish process. We do generally have a limit on how many refreshes that we take on a monthly basis, but we would work with them in a very similar fashion to understand what are the items that you want to keep in the home. The designers on our network will be able to work around um, the products in your home to save some money. And then what we would want to focus on are what are the big things that will get you attention back on the listings, back on the listing photos again um, to drive up occupancy. And that's that refresh process will take about four to six weeks. It's a little bit less time because we have a little bit more to work with. Okay, sure. Here's a question which if you have to be politically correct and can't answer, then I respect that. But where do your designers fall when it comes to taking in clients' perspectives versus knowing their expertise. I know there are a lot of owners who are very, very attached to how they have designed things and where do they navigate that conversation? So number one, we're obviously very respectful. You're the owner, you get the final say. We're just advisors on how to 
how to advise you on what we would do. Number one. However, you know, you have used Showplace or hired Showplace for a reason. And we want to tell you our opinions in a candid and transparent way that this is what we think would be best. But ultimately, as the owner, if you decide to override us, we have thick skin. We've seen it all before. And so we would absolutely be happy with that as well. Okay, great answer. And then final thing I'd love to touch on with you is budget for owners that just don't even know, you know, if the inquiry form says, what is your budget? I've talked to so many people who are like, I don't know. I like you tell me what it takes to get this done and get this thing booking and get me making money again. What would you advise in those cases? Yeah, we think about budget in two similar vectors. So the first way to think about it is I'm acquiring a new property, generally speaking, to do a whole home furnish. You're looking at about 7% to 8% of the purchase price. Okay. That's one way to look at it. Now, the other way to look at it is on a per square footage basis. So let's say that, you know, we're furnishing a 2,500 square foot home, three bedroom, two bath. We're probably going to be in the 15 to $20 per square foot range. And, and this is just for furniture, not for any like remodeling, new cabinets, new tile, nothing like that. So this is, this is correct. This is for the furniture, decor, the essential items. So like everything from the pots and pans to the furniture items to the decor on the walls is kind okay. of what we're scoping here. And then even including some estimates for installation and delivery. Here's, okay. here's the ultimate problem is um, you can't, we can't deliver 300 items to your porch or your deck if you don't live there. If you're geographically not at your home, it's too much of a high risk for things getting damaged, stolen, broken. And so we have to coordinate consolidated delivery. We have warehouses all around the country. So we land all the products in a local warehouse. And then on a given day, we'll put all of those pallets on one truck and get it delivered. And that way it'll reduce the overall theft and damage. But there's a cost associated to that. And so there's, you know, we, we factor in all of those costs into the overarching budget. We try to stick within that. And I think 99% of the time we're within budget, but 1% of the time we go over budget. Okay. So it was seven or 8% of the purchase price or 15 to $20 a square foot. And that's just for the furniture and things like that. If, if you guys ever took on a property that needed more new cabinets, new countertops, new tile, anything like that, is that something Showplace can also help with? How would you advise hosts in that situation? So the short answer is no. And the reason behind it is that we are solely focused on getting the property set up and focused on the best in-class design, furnishing, partner vendors, network, that we just cannot get bogged down. And we have to say no to some things. And right. we, we believe if you're opening up walls or we're putting up new cabinets or we're changing tile, then that's just something not in our expertise. But we have a lot of friends in the industry or general contractors we could refer you to. Okay. Okay. Sounds great. And I know that Showplace has given me a referral code to pass on to the audience here, which I will put in the show notes. And at the time of recording, I believe it's currently about $1.75 to per square foot to work with Showplace's designers. And that referral code, I believe, brings it down to $1.25 per square foot. So that's quite a bit of savings right there. Again, that's at the time of recording this. This may change if you're listening in the future, but I will put that link below. Justin, is there anything else you want to share with us? How people can connect with Showplace or any final tips you want to leave our listeners? 
question. What's the future for Level Up Your Listing? We want to know for next year. Oh, don't worry. Me and Rachel are talking. It is going to be in March of 2024, March 11th through 13th. And we've already got a whole booth space saved for Showplace. So don't worry. <laughs> when, when Rachel asked me, she said, hey, we want to do braids. And there's this great company called Braid Babes. And I, I honestly had to Google what that was. I had no idea what a braid bar was. So, so maybe next time I'll have to participate if you guys allow me to go. You know what, Justin, look at this. When when we have when you guys have clients come to you who don't know design, you tell them to trust your designers. And I'm so glad that when Rachel came to you talking about braids and, and putting tinsel in people's hair, you trusted her on that and you knew that that was her expertise and not yours. There you go. <laughs> I love it. Well, thank you. Yeah, if, if you guys want to find out more information, feel free to visit us at showplacewholesale.com. And then my personal email, if you guys want to reach out, is Justin at showplacewholesale.com. Thank you so much, Justin. And we are excited to see you guys again in Scottsdale. Amazing. Thank you. And finally, for this week's Am I the Airbnb Hole, this post had me laughing and cringing so hard. I feel like it's not that big of a deal to just read it, but when I put myself in this host's shoes, I would be... <laughs> absolutely mortified trying to do some damage control. So let me just read this to you guys and you tell me how you would feel if this was you. <laughs> so this host posted a screenshot of communication between them and the guest and the guest said, hi, Cecilia, we are almost ready to leave. The front door when you enter the code does not lock the door. It only unlocks. Should we lock it and then use the garage door opener to close up? We can leave the garage door opener in the mailbox. Okay, perfectly normal message to get from a guest. And the host then responded and said, butt sex. Butt sex. Two minutes later, the host then followed up a message. The guest had not responded to this. Two minutes later, the host followed up a message that said, I am so sorry. My husband is playing a board game with my kids. And he said Baltic Sea while I was trying to voice to text. For some reason, it picked up butt sex. Obviously, Baltic Sea is not the correct term that came across. I think this is so funny. And reading this, I'm just like, oh, that's not that big of a deal. Like, you you sent the apology two minutes later, you know, whatever. Guess I'll get over it. But honestly, when I put myself in this host's shoes, imagining that that was me and my guest asked a perfectly normal question about checkout procedures and how to lock the door and where they should leave the garage opener, and then you get a response that just says, butt sex, I would be absolutely mortified. I think in the end, this is going to be harmless. Like, they clearly had a good explanation for it. She responded within two minutes acknowledging this, but the guest from this screenshot did not reply. So we are just really left to wonder what the guest's reaction was. The comments on this did not miss. Somebody said, if the guest didn't laugh, we don't want him. I agree. Somebody else said, <laughs> this guy said, is that an extra amenity asking for a friend? Why do I feel like that's something my dad would say, honestly? Ugh, gross, you guys. Gross. Grow up. Grow up, okay? This poor woman, Martha, commented and said, here is mine. I was giving a bid to a client and trying to text my friend to tell her I would be there soon. What I said in my voice text was, I am giving a bid to my client. I will be there in 10. The message my friend received was, I am in bed with my client. I am a lesbian. <laughs> Martha! Martha, no. This girl commented and said, I use talk to text often and I have two teenage boys. 
anytime I start doing talks to text, they shout in the background, penis. Guess where they learned it from? Yes, their dad, of course. Oh, I feel for you. I feel for you. I think that, I think unfortunately you just might not be a candidate for talk to text until your children grow up and leave the house, unfortunately. I don't think there's really a way to like untrain them from that one. Okay, last one I'm gonna read you guys. Yikes. Somebody said, this may be cringy, but it absolutely happened. My sister was texting with her property manager while riding on a bumpy road. The PM said a potential tenant had a dog that was over the size limit. My sister texted back, okay, 30 pounds, no bigger. But her finger hit the N instead of the B right before she was about to send. Thankfully, she proofread her text before sending it, which she seldom does. Major scandal averted. No amount of explaining or apologizing would have been enough. Oh my god. I mean, could you imagine? Somebody said that text could have been life-altering. You cannot unsend that word. Big yikes. Glad that that was caught. Uh, wow. Wow. Anyway, who is the Airbnb hole today? Uh, whoever is the like robot that does voice to text, I think that they are the Airbnb hole. Why is it so bad? Why is it still so bad? It's 2023. We haven't figured out a way to make voice to text better. So whoever is designing it, whoever like Siri, whatever AI is behind, whatever artificial intelligence is behind the voice to text, get it together. We need to be better at this point. And with that, it is now checkout time. Thanks for listening and I'll see you back here next week. Lastly, as Airbnb hosts, we all can appreciate a good five-star review. So you already know a great review on this podcast would mean so much to me. Please subscribe, review, share, and connect with me in the show notes below. Bye.